0: Totally at the World Cup.
1: Training is useful, but there is no substitute for experience.
2: Unbelievable.
0: Day 10, it's the power of love. Germany have problems with boating but enjoy their cruise, the greatest man-shaft recovery since they rescued those Chileans. Belgium, inspired like a church bell in 5-1 win over Tunisia and Mexico beat South Korea. Sunday. Look out for more Group G action as England take on Panama in Nizhny Novgorod and then Group H, Japan against Senegal and Poland, Colombia. It's all previewed in this totally football show, totally at the World Cup. Listener, well done for joining us because it's been a big day at the World Cup. Tom Williams is here. Hello. He's joined by Matt Scott. Hello. And by Matt Stanger. Hello. Wow, what an evening. It's a day of World Cup action that concluded with an extraordinary Germany-Sweden game in the Fisht Stadium in Sochi. Wow. And they fished a result out of the bag. Didn't they? Right at the last. Right at the death. With 94 minutes played and probably about 55 seconds as well, Germany were 1-1 with Sweden and probably heading out of this World Cup. And then a free kick... And this.
3: Of a from Kroos. Look at the bend, the whip, and how it dips into the back corner.
0: So Germany rescue it, rescue it right to death. And the, the faces, not just the Swedish fans, but there were German fans in the stands who literally, they didn't even know what to do with the muscles in their face. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. probably in other places as well. Utterly disbelieving. I, was yeah.
4: all, no, I wasn't at all, actually. I had a little tickled five minutes before the You thought Germany end. would do it, well, I thought somebody would score. I thought there would be a goal. Right. Germany had ten men on the pitch. Boateng had been uh, sent off, and therefore they were very open and attacking Sweden, but Sweden never had a man up in the, the entire second half. They didn't have any legs left after chasing the ball for literally the entire first half. They could have had two penalties, Uh, certainly one of them looked cast iron. Yeah, I mean, the the luck went with Germany, but they probably deserved it too. Mm.
0: Interesting game. It swung back and forth. The beginning, extraordinary stat that FIFA flashed up, Matt. Uh, Ten minutes in, Germany had had 122 passes, Sweden six, and a succession of of, of kind of pinball moments when the ball was kind of bouncing around in the Sweden box, and it was a, a mystery how Germany hadn't scored
5: already. It was, um, I think it was 8% possession for Sweden in that opening period, uh, but Sweden still looked a bit of a threat even at that stage, didn't they, because Forsberg yeah. broke through the centre, cutting him from the that was left. was the eighth pass, or well, the seventh pass, <laughs> it was beautiful. I think the seventh was to Berg, wasn't it, for the penalty incident That's just right. afterwards. Yeah. And
0: When they didn't get a penalty, but I think everyone felt that they should.
5: It did look like it, Boateng, a uh, big grapple of Berg's shoulder and uh, brought him down and Boateng, obviously later on punished for for two more offences, two bookings in ten minutes to to get sent off. Mm.
0: Well, this was a game which Germany obviously was trying to rescue what had happened to them in the game against Mexico and Ozil had been dropped from a, a, a game at a major tournament for the first time in pretty much ever. Instead, it was Sweden who took control. You felt like you were watching Germany
6: just teeter on a precipice the entire game because we all knew how vital it was for them to win this match going into it and you could see from the start that they were trying to reassert the German identity that has carried them to all the success in recent years, putting their foot on the ball and forcing Sweden back and and making a very purposeful start. And then every time Sweden counter them, they were getting in behind. And then Sweden go in front. And you thought, well, now we're going to see what sort of metal there is in this Germany team. They equalise early in the second half, setting the scene for, for an onslaught. And yet it looked like Sweden might just eke it out. And it was very similar to the way that Brazil's game against Costa Rica ended yesterday. we were talking about how there was almost this sense of inevitability, all these attacking players on the pitch, constant barrage, and an even more spectacular breakthrough goal with that sensational Tony. Free kick, and mm. again, it's the sort of thing we might well look back at this in weeks to come, and 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 see this as the moment that Germany finally sort of rediscovered their identity. And it's the sort of game that, when you look back at it, you know, in the history books, perhaps it might not stick out. But had they not got that goal, they'd be going out of the tournament. And whereas now, you you back them to go through to the
0: last 16. Have they resolved their issues? Because the same problems that we saw in the Mexico game were there throughout much of, of this performance. Ola Teuvenen, the same Ola Teuvenen who who had a, a pretty miserable time at Sunderland, who's just spent an entire season in Ligue 1 for Toulouse without scoring a single goal, here putting Sweden ahead with his second touch of this World Cup. And, and this was the noise they made in Stockholm.
5: Brilliantly taken, that superb finish, wasn't it? Uh, we uh, we couldn't believe the way he uh, flicked that over to Manuel Neuer, and Neuer obviously appealing. Tom, I think you had the term for whatever yes, it is. was.
6: Manuel Neuer is so notorious in Germany for appealing when uh, either Germany or Bayern Munich concede a goal by sticking up his sticking his arm into the air and looking imploringly at the officials that they call that the reclamier arm, which basically means the arm of complaint. And we saw Neuer do that. I, I wondered the first time I saw the goal whether there might have been a hint of handball. Clearly there wasn't. But Manuel Neuer, as is his is his want sticks his arm up into the air in, in the desperate hope of, of getting something
5: I think in terms of Germany resolving their problems though uh, they made a key tactical shift in the second half didn't they where they moved Werner onto the left wing uh, and he obviously set up the goal for Royce and uh, he looked a real outlet there with his speed and those low driven crosses which brought quite a few German chances in the second half but it says a lot about Ozil's status doesn't it that he wasn't brought on at all in that game after being dropped from the starting lineup.
4: I thought it was an odd selection actually because they were, they were fixing the problems for the Mexicans game when they were not going to be playing, facing those problems in this game Um, Ozil is always vulnerable against the team that's going to run at you. you you've got too few people who are going to chase back in the midfield if you've got one Ozil at number 10 what they should have had on this game uh was was Ozil because the the outball for Sweden was always going to be a long pass and they did some beautiful crosses some some really nice long through balls as well and to take nothing away from them But that's not the kind of thing, you're not losing anything by having Ozil on the pitch. What you gain is the ability to play the threaded through ball that Somebody like a Werner can run onto. And I didn't get, you know, Mueller as well. This is how Germany have scored so many World Cup goals in the past, why they're such serial champions. I couldn't understand why of in this game of all games, when you knew that Sweden were going to be playing with two rigid banks of four, sitting very deep and hopefully looking for, for an out ball on the break, why Erzl wouldn't have a room in that. Well, team? apparently in Germany, and I
0: think I'm quoting from Bildt, who described. Ozil as having been vengered by his years at at Arsenal. That whereas you know before at Real Madrid, the, the Jose Mourinho pragmatism had, had, had made him a certain kind of player. That certain softness might have crept
4: in in his in his time in North London. Well, but he still finds players. He still yeah. you know, I mean, two seasons ago he got eighteen assists in the Premier League season. So you know that's. That's what you get with Urtsal. Right. Um, Paul Scholes is my hero asks, in the event of same
0: points, same goal difference, same goal scored, and a draw between two teams, how will the group winner be decided? Could there be a playoff? Well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? No. Basically, uh, no it can't. But the situation in group F is that Mexico, after their victory earlier, On Saturday against South Korea, lead on six points. Germany and Sweden have identical records, three points each, same goal difference, same goal scored and all that. And South Korea are effectively out out of the picture. Um, If Sweden beat Mexico and Germany beat South Korea, which are both certainly possible, you'd end up with three teams on six points. What would happen then? If
6: there are three teams on six points, it goes into a really confusing mini-league. Well, first of all, you look at goal difference and goals scored. And then if the teams can't be separated, you look at their records compared with each other. But if you have more than one team with an identical record um, in terms of goals scored, goals conceded, etc., then you look at their fair play record. So for the time being, Sweden are above Germany on fair play. Um, And if the fair play records were to be identical... We would then go down the very old school route of drawing lots, yeah, but there will not get, be a player. Did play you off. get that
4: listener? Well, goal difference, goal scored, head-to-head records, right. Then disciplinary, then then drawing. Then drawing lots. Forward things could be even more costly. Yes. Yeah.
0: By the way, I a mean, bit heartbreak for the Swedes. A terrific performance from a team that barely scores goals.
5: They were superb, um, excellent organization in first half, and the counterattacking was set up superbly before the break, but. I thought almost they they basically were their own worst enemy in the second period because they didn't attack at all against a German side who ended the match with only two defenders. There was only Kimmich and Rudiger at the end after Boateng was sent off and then Hector was replaced by Brandt. And we saw it with, uh, I think Forsberg was fouled by Boateng on the halfway line with about 15 minutes to go and no one was up to support him. He was on his own surrounded by three German players.
4: He actually overtook Teuvenen with the ball and Teuvenen hadn't made the run and it was just inexcusable. We were all screaming at the, the, the the screen get forward no one did and they, they'd been counterattacking like
5: that in the first half and yeah. had some results from it and we'd seen with Mexico that that was the way to play against this German side and mm. as you were saying earlier Jim about how Germany were looking vulnerable in that first off, like they did against Mexico with similar sort of attack from Sweden. So I don't know why they didn't keep pushing forward. They, they were playing for the point, really, that yes. would have almost guaranteed them to go through. But you
6: can't blame them for that.
5: They were 20 seconds away from getting one of the greatest World
6: Cup points in their history. And were it not for a spectacular Tony Cruz free kick, they would have got it. But I, th- I don't think you can blame Sweden too much here like just knowing the resources they have at their disposal I mean I I think it would have been it would have been very dangerous for them to adopt a more proactive approach in that second half
5: against 10 men in the last 10 minutes I think
6: that would have been but a against a super attacking Germany team who were just dominating possession and you could see Sweden's legs seem to have gone Man. you know they were they were really hanging on at the end
1: you're listening to the totally football show in association with Paddy Power
0: Because of course, one member of the Totally family who really did enjoy that result in the Fish Stadium was Raphael Honigstein. Raphael, how relieved on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh,
3: 11, 12, 13. I mean, I was looking at flights back to London when the goal was scored. Or at least in my mind, I was preparing a, a, an early retreat. And, I mean, of course, Germany's blushes were saved. There was still so much that went wrong in this game. But here they are. And actually, there's no better feeling uh, in football than winning it this way.
0: That said, Rafa, we don't think the problems that Germany displayed against Mexico have been entirely resolved.
3: No, I think that that's absolutely fair to say. Um, I think Germany addressed some of the issues. I think the mentality was much better. The commitment. They tried to be a bit more compact on the counter attack. Of course, Sweden also not quite as good counter attacking than Mexico were, but all given away in very dangerous areas, very cheaply, midfield and. Defense again slow to recuperate ground. And of course, still that feeling that for all the possession, Germany don't actually create that many clear-cut chances. And I think that is a concern that will keep occupying Joachim Löw's mind because while the criticism about the first game was mostly about Germany turning up and playing with a bit of arrogance and a sense of entitlement, I think now the focus will shift on him. And people say, you know, how come tactically he's not getting more out of this team? What does he need to do to get uh, more consistent goal-scoring creation and much better defence collectively as well?
0: Yeah, our listener Chris Pryor asking if these uh, two performances mean that he's become a a tainted love. Uh, uh, I don't know, do you you think that's going to be the impression there in the German media tomorrow or will everyone be too busy celebrating?
3: I think they'll be too busy celebrating. But tainted Lurf would have been very much the, the headline if, if Germany lose and go out. Or even a draw in reality would have meant that they're eliminated because Sweden and Mexico would have just played out an easy draw. And I think that was a very likely scenario. So Germany will be alive. A win in all likelihood against South Korea will see them through. And then, of course, it really starts. And then I think Germany will look back at this and say, this was the moment where we either sort of got into it and started addressing our issues and come together, all the harbingers of doom, all the signs that we're not going to get far in this tournament were already here in the group stage. So I think it's still very much touch and go. For me personally, the concerns are still very, very big, and I still don't have great confidence in Germany as far as retaining the trophy is concern at this point. OK.
0: Rafa, there's also been a lot of talk about disharmony within the team. Uh, I know that Ozil's name's come up quite a bit. And interesting comments after the game from Tony Cruz saying that uh, although his winner made amends for his earlier mistake in the match with Sweden, but a lot of people, in his words, in Germany would have been pleased if we'd gone out today.
3: Yeah, I think it was a bit of a strange comment, but I understand where he's coming from because I think a lot of people have fallen out of love with his team a little bit you could see that people are perhaps not quite behind this Germany as much as they were in recent years. And if you allow me, I think that goes for Germany as a nation as well. I think we're going into a very difficult summer. Angela Merkel's government is a little shaky, and there's just a lot of discontent back at home. And Germany, as a representative of the nation just don't quite have the confidence and i think there's a lot of self-loathing going on and people being unhappy generally speaking having said all that i think this moment would have been the first real moment of happiness uh where you know 83 million or take away a few, were sleeping uh would have come together and enjoyed themselves so i think it is it is a great moment of of togetherness but germany need to follow this up uh when you Asked me about this harmony in the camp very briefly. I think that story has been uh, oversold. Uh, There are different groups, but they're not working against each other in the way that they were in 2012. But there was a real split between the Bayern crew and the Dortmund crew, and they were politicizing behind the scenes and scheming. Now you have people who are interested in one thing and people are interested in another. They're spending more time with each other than others. But anyone I spoke to has told me that the the idea that there's sort of a big... The vision, the squad, is actually not backed up by reality.
0: All right. Rafa, how important would a good cup run be then for Germany as a country?
3: I think it would be good. I think it would come at a good time. Um, I think Germany as a team need to uh, show that they are uh, producing because I think so far a lot of it has gone wrong. You could you know, look at the preparation, you could look at a lot of things and I think they're still under pressure to up their game and to really give a good account of themselves. They got lucky tonight. Uh, yes, they showed resilience. Yes, they showed mentality. Really, that is the minimum you can expect from a German team. Now they need to play a bit more football. And uh, I think both the question marks are still lingering, uh, waiting to come to the forefront. When it goes against real opposition, so far we stayed Mexico and Sweden. With the greatest of respect for our teams, these are not world beaters, and Germany are still miles away, I think. Right, South Korea will be the kind of level of football that, yeah, exactly, the kind of level that they need to produce to do justice to themselves.
0: You can read more of Raphael Honigstein's thoughts on ESPN FC. All right, how about the other scores then from Saturday? Mexico had a 2-1 win over South Korea. It was a bit of a worldie from Heung-min Son, right at the death. Some scant consolation there for the South Koreans. Mexico, meanwhile, uh, establishing their winning margin, thanks to a penalty from Carlos Vela and this from Chicharito. (laughs) And in the early game today in England's group, Group G, Belgium met Tunisia and did them. 5 2. Lukaku and Hazard, both with braces, batch away at about the sixth attempt, finally put away a fifth. They're looking good, Belgium. Very good.
5: <laughs> mm.
0: Matt Scott already disagreeing with my uh, impressed state. About Roberto Martinez's team, we'll talk about that very shortly. Because the other game from the German group saw Mexico, as I mentioned, two-one winners over South Korea. Once again, the Mexicans deadly on the break. Tom,
6: I think the danger that Mexico faced after that very impressive win over Germany was that they might sort of struggle to to pick themselves up and produce the same level of intensity, they didn't really need to against South Korea, I mean South Korea were better than they had been against Sweden, but given they'd not had a single shot on target against Sweden, that wasn't difficult Uh, Mexico went ahead midway through the first half with a penalty were generally content to sit back then, although they still had quite a lot of possession Um, South Korea looked better with Song Hyun Min through the middle, but again didn't really make that many chances Uh, Chicharito got his 50th international goal, and it was sort of a kind of poor cover version of the goal that Herving Lozano scored in the win against Germany this time with Lozano providing the assist Uh, Hernandez cuts inside uh, the defender and then completely bobbles a shot home so a very kind of Javier Hernandez way to bring up his half century Um, and then the game fizzled out until the 93rd minute when Song scored an absolute worldie, curled it into the top left corner Um, but that's probably going to be all that South Korea have to shout about at the tournament I fear.
0: Neil Poire so far for the Taiguk Warriors. Yeah, that's them. Matt, let's talk about Belgium and their 5-2 win over Tunisia. Now, that's two goals of goal margin better than England's win over Tunisia, which you were really
4: impressed with.
0: So, you must be
4: thrilled with Belgium. <laughs> no, I don't... No, I, I thought that this was a team that anybody would have cut to shreds. Um, South Korea would have cut them to shreds the way that they defended. It was It was dreadful. They had people standing... 10 feet away from Romelu Lukaku as he chased on to, to through balls it was it was almost like watching Saudi Arabia in the first game uh, against Russia I, I was utterly unimpressed with them. when they played against England they showed that they are defensively extremely well organised in the second half they they showed what a good team they are if they want to be resolute I understand perhaps they were chasing the game because they'd already gone 2-0 down and needed to get another goal having pulled only one back but there was no excuse for the defending. And had England faced that kind of defending for 90 minutes as opposed to just 20, as they did in the first game, then England would have scored a similar amount of goals. And it's interesting now how many goals will they get against Panama is going to be the, the difference as to who finishes top of the group. And I don't see them getting that hat full. Although. Although
0: Permutation fans will will, will be excited by the next bit. There is now a suggestion that both Belgium and England will be keen not to finish top of the group. Yeah, that's silly. That's silly. Yeah, because there's no one
6: terrifying in Group H. So I don't see why... I I can't see that there's a a team...
0: Is it about who you face in in the quarterfinals, though?
6: I think for both England and Belgium, uh, running before they can walk, given their recent right. tournament record, is probably unadvisable. Um, OK.
0: So if you're Gareth Southgate and, and, and you're watching this, and, and no doubt he was, uh, what, did, uh, what would you have made of, of Belgium?
6: I think I agree with a lot of what Matt said. I think Belgium are both very good in some ways and very bad in others. I mean, clearly going forward, they have the capacity to be sensational. Uh, Romelu Lukaku with four goals in two games and... Uh, 17 and 11 17 and 11 and also becoming quite remarkably the first player to score multiple goals in successive World Cup matches since Diego Maradona in 1986 whose second brace of that um, double brace came against Belgium coincidentally huh. in the semi-finals so bringing things full circle um, yeah Belgium looking very good going forward Lukaku's in good form Hazard's in good form um, but they have problems at the back I don't think anyone's convinced by this this back three okay you've got Boyata there now it's probably going to be company against England but Tunisia created a lot of chances and when the game was still uh, a lot closer than it ended up being at the end uh, chances that better opponents would have taken so while there's plenty to fear about Belgium there's also plenty of reason for thinking that any decent team who comes up against them are going to get opportunities to score.
0: Belgium currently on six points, England on three with their match coming up tomorrow against Panama. Both Panama and Tunisia yet to record a single point and a lot of talk now that uh, Hazard and, and Mertens and Lukaku might be rested when the final group game comes up between Belgium and England that it might already be sorted by then.
5: Yeah, I don't think England would have too much to fear with Lukaku if if he did start because goals against Panama and Tunisia is sort of what he's done in the Premier League for the past few seasons and people call him a flat-track bully which seems a bit unfair at times but he did only score once against teams in the top six this season and 13 of his 16 goals for Manchester United were against teams in the bottom half. So I think scoring a brace against... The side 55 in the world, Panama, and uh, another brace against Tunisia, 21st in the world. It's not quite at a level yet where you look at Ronaldo's hat trick against Spain, for example, and you think he's really made it, this is his World Cup. And I think with England, John Stones obviously will know him really well from having played alongside him at Everton. So if Lukaku starts, I don't think England will have too much to fear. But like you were saying, um, Roberto Martinez apparently would prefer to finish second in this group. And he does strike me as the sort of manager that would maybe <laughs> looking at all the, uh, the equations to figure out Belgium's possible route to the final.
0: I'm, I'm really surprised and I completely hear what you're saying, but... They just beat Tunisia 5-2 and, and, and look. It's not the same, though, is it? it well, it's
6: not. I mean, it, it's it not If England had taken no. the chances they made in the first 25 minutes against Tunisia, yeah. they but Tom, probably if, would, if would if have Belgium won 5 If Belgium had two.
0: taken the chances they made, they'd have won 10-2. Yeah, but,
6: but then about seven of those chances all fell to Michy right yeah. at the end of the game. So the circumstances were slightly different.
4: Can I also add mm-hmm. that, that this Belgium team... It's, it's got like a motorway on both flanks that, that Kieran Trippier who created more chances than any other player in the first round of matches in the World Cup and we're talking about so more than 300 players he created more chances than anybody else down the flanks for the most dangerous striker in the Premier League even including Romelu Lukaku uh, there's absolutely for my mind no worries about that because I, I th- I'd i be more worried as Roberto Martinez than as Gareth Southgate I think England can cause them more problems there is a troika of absolutely unbelievably beautiful players in De Bruyne Hazard and Lukaku for Belgium they are so effective they work together so extremely well but if you manage to cut that out you make the interceptions when you need to, you don't get too tight, but you're tight enough to, to, to cause them difficulties. I, I think that's the way to keep Belgium quiet and you you force them back by creating right. width and space further up the pitch. Presumably a collection
0: of Belgian journalists could be having the exact same conversation about England right now. But anyway, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because of course England have to get past Panama first. In, in the Sunday lunchtime game, in Group G, let's address what's coming up on Sunday after this. Sun, sea, sand, and football. Watching the
1: World Cup on holiday sounds like paradise, until you try watching a game online and realise seconds before kickoff that it's blocked. Well, instead of bemoaning your decision to book a trip during a tournament that comes around once every four years, you need to get yourself a virtual private network from bestvpn.com, and you'll be able to access the internet freely wherever you are this summer, all for less than the price of a pint. Because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can get 70% off a VPN by visiting bestvpn.com slash podcast. Bestvpn.com will set you up with a VPN in minutes so you can watch the football from your deck chair or by the pool. And when it comes to security, bestvpn.com will also protect your internet activity from prying eyes on open Wi-Fi networks. No matter where you are in the world, you can access your online home comforts with a VPN. So unlock the internet today with bestvpn.com. Find out more and get 70% off by heading to bestvpn.com slash podcast.
0: Sunday, you got Group H action, 4pm Japan taking on Senegal, the two teams who won the opening games in this group. The teams they beat, Poland and Colombia, will be facing each other at 7 o'clock. But before all of that, 1 o'clock Sunday uh, in England, UK time, our Southgate's team take on Panama in Nizhny Novgorod Big England preview time First off let's get a quick word on the likely conditions at Nizhny Novgorod for this game from our man Anton Tolui who's actually Sky Sports News' man with the England team
2: now, England played nine o'clock local in the evening last time out in Volgograd. So by the time the game kicked off, it was a cool sort of 22 Celsius. Lots of midges obviously made it quite, you know, quite well, just disgusting, really. It was chatting to uh, Jesse Lingard and he said he just he just kept on, they just kept on going on his mouth. It wasn't very pleasant at all. It's a three o'clock local kickoff uh, here and it will be, and it's been 36 Celsius at its highest point today, hot. Muggy, sticky, sweaty. So expect a similar kind of temperature at some point for the game uh, here in Nizhny Novgorod. And the stadium is wonderful. And it's right on the banks of two rivers uh, converging. So at the same time, because it's in the stadium, they lose that breeze coming off the water. So it will be hot, and expect sort of regular drinks breaks throughout the match.
0: Well, you know your friends here at Totally Football Show are all over. England and the causes of England. Let's start, Tom, with a big burning question that I think has been dominating a lot of supporters' minds in the last few days. The controversy, if you will, surrounding this team. Does Gareth Southgate say, where's Harry? Or or something else on that replay of the winning goal against Tunisia? A little bit of background here, first of all. So this is the clip that
6: appeared on Twitter um, in the immediate aftermath of Uh, England's dramatic win over Tunisia in their opening game. And it was specifically the uh, footage of Harry Kane's first goal. Spectacular save by the Tunisia goalkeeper. Um, And Harry Kane taps in the rebound. And the camera that was trained on Gareth Southgate at the time, he's standing in the dugout looking on, and he says something... Uh, And then celebrates. And this video went around on Twitter, and the guy who put it on Twitter said, oh, this is incredible. Look at Southgate's lips. When the keeper makes the save, he says, where's Harry? And within a split second, Harry Kane has tucked away the rebound. Incredible bordering on telepathic understanding there between manager and player which would be a lovely story except for the simple fact that he clearly doesn't say where's Harry he says what you think. oh what a say! you say
0: th- the lips do lie
6: I think, I think well I don't think Southgate's lips do lie I think the lip reading ah, does right. lie in this. Matt instance. you reckon he
0: does say oh where's Harry
5: well it's not conclusive is it but I think the context of the situation Harry Kane scores two goals both from set pieces both ways in that back post position so if Gareth Southgate was to say, where's Harry? It's because he's positioned him there to score exactly that goal. It's more likely he's saying, ooh, what a save that. I mean, that's more what you would say in that position, isn't it? I like the romance of him saying, where's oh, Harry, right. though?
0: Well, there was plenty of romance for England fans as, as the Three Lions took a 2-1 win over Tunisia. Do you know, Matt, Scott, and I bet you do, that was the first time they'd scored more than once in a World Cup match since 2006. Mm. Oh, my word, 12 years without scoring more than a goal in a, in a World Cup match. Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
4: <laughs> what can you say? And,
0: I mean, and, and as I think you pointed out at the time, to do it they had to overcome ill fortune. So, it all, it all sets up pretty nicely. Now, I guess the one, the one dark cloud is the fact that they did struggle against the Tunisia side in the second half that sat
4: back. Is that what Panama are going to do on Sunday? Yeah, in the same way as Sweden did t- last night against Germany. Um, I, I think that's. That's always going to be the way. I think, though, this selection that Gareth Southgate's pointing to, or at least Steve Holland is pointing to, with uh, with his chalkboard, uh, is that Deli Ali, of course, is out through through medical issues. He's got a slight thigh strain, and that means that it opens the door for Ruben Loftus Cheek. Uh, and it does look like Raheem Sterling is going to be sacrificed in favour of Marcus Rashford, who scored that wonder goal. Uh, against Costa Rica in the build-up games. Hmm. Uh, I think, actually, that is a team better suited to unpicking uh, You know the the defence that, that this Panama team is undoubtedly going to put up. They're going to put up a massive rampart, if they can, of 18 men behind the ball. We've seen them do it
0: recently. They had those uh, games against Wales yeah. and Northern Ireland where it was very much that kind of...
4: Of things, But they've got techers, you know Rashford, Rashford and Riemlofter's Cheek have got more techers than the other two, who, who are wonderful passers, hmm. uh, or at least Ali's a wonderful passer, he's got that wonderful understanding with Harry Kane, he sets up goals, gets on the end of uh, balls coming in from Son and Ericsson himself and, and Harry Kane of course for his club. Uh, Raheem Sterling though is somebody who has to chase on two passes coming through to him, and you're not going to get many of them his pace is going to be redundant against a very deep lying Panama side so somebody who can carry the ball, which You certainly can see from Rashford and Ruben Loftus-Cheek is more suited uh, to that kind of uh, maze work. I think
6: think if Sterling is dropped, I think he can consider himself unfortunate. Um, He wasn't brilliant against Tunisia, but I think he is the most dangerous player that England have in that position I think the form that he's shown for Manchester City this season shows that he is capable of of being a match winner Um, and um, yeah I mean clearly we all know what Marcus Rashford brings to the team and we saw that he was very impressive when he came on against Tunisia on top of everything that he'd done in the warm-up games but you know you hope that this isn't Raheem Sterling being bombed out the team for good because he's clearly got a lot to offer them
0: all right well hopefully it's going to be a long tournament run Matt Matt Stanger can can I ask you it took a pretty special goal from Dries Mertens to unlock Panama Uh, in their game against Belgium they'd held out very successfully for 45 minutes what do you think their
5: chances are against England? Slim but I do think that they could frustrate them like Tunisia did for long periods of that game Um, they've got Barcelona Samarillo on the right hand side they look to work really well together and then I think also the fear for England is that if it is tight going into the last 10-15 minutes as it was against Tunisia, Trippier obviously pushed forward, created a lot of chances down at right-hand side. But uh, Panama brought on young Ishmael Diaz as well on the left-hand side, quite a pacey, tricky left winger. So they could look to kind of pin Trippier back in those closing stages. There, there was... Um, One stat that I thought was quite interesting for England in that second half against Tunisia was almost sort of refreshing compared to England's approaches at previous tournaments Mm. where it was that they didn't start taking pot shots from outside the box and they didn't launch it. I was actually looking at the numbers and 22% of England's shots against Tunisia came from outside the box. And if you look at other opening games that were similar sort of scenarios, settled by one goal, Argentina, 56% of their shots came from outside the box. Germany 54%, France 50%. So the fact that England kept trying to probe and kept trying to get around the back, I, I thought was a different style to what we've seen in previous years. And they got their goal from set pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair I we'll think talk one more thing, about England
0: tomorrow. One final thing for
6: now. I think talk. one thing that England can expect to get from Panama is a lot of kicks because they're a very physical team. Mm. They had more than twice as many yellow cards as shots on target in the loss to Belgium in their opening game. Quote here from Roland Cummings, the Panama defender, with I think my favourite name in the entire tournament, who's just said, "We are going there to play hard." So I, I'd advise Messrs Kane and Rashford and the rest of them to to make sure they've got their shin pads.
4: Yeah, that's maybe why he's dropped Deli Ali, of course, or well, not dropped, but but rested Deli Ali because mm. he's had the same pair of shin pads since he was eleven. So they're probably too small <laughs> for this game against Panama.
1: Listeners, there are 32 teams and 736 players at the World Cup, but there are a million stories beyond the pitch in Russia. The excellent Game of Our Lives podcast is back for its second season and host David Goldblatt will bring you fiery discussion of the cultural, political and sociological issues that make football the world's greatest sport. Along with his co-host, David will be discussing things like Iceland's incredible rise and Panama's amazing journey to their first tournament, as well as taking deep dives into historical matches that still have resonance for today's game. Search for Game of Our Lives with David Goldblatt wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe now.
0: England's opponents, if they get out of the group, will come from Group H. Group H on Sunday sees Japan and Senegal uh, meeting in Yekaterinburg. Both teams won their opening games. Senegal beating Poland-Japan, uh, making their way past a ten-man Columbus. Senegal mean business.
6: Yeah, Senegal looked really impressive, I thought, against Poland. I mean, Poland shot themselves in the foot in that the first goal was an own goal and the second goal owed to that. Preposterous back pass from Gregor krachoviak right. It's fair to say. Mm. Um, Certainly should have done better because he could see. Because he could see what was happening. And um, and he should have communicated. Um, and, and and Senegal. Look, I think of all the African teams, the most well-equipped uh, to to make a mark at the tournament. Clearly, we know that Nigeria have turned things around in their group. Um, they could be only the third um, African team to win their first two World Cup group games really? after Cameroon in nineteen ninety and Nigeria in nineteen
0: ninety-eight. Excellent. Okay. So, do do you fancy them to? Take the three points against Japan.
6: Japan were a lot better than I expected them to be against um, Colombia. I mean, clearly they they had a massive stroke of good luck in in that Carlos Sanchez was sent off for Colombia within mm. three minutes um, and. Shinji Kagawa scored the That's penalty to put Japan in any ahead. Way,
4: does that in any way weaken Colombia, though? I mean, whether whether he's on or off the pitch to me <laughs> feels pretty immaterial. Um, well, I mean,
6: obviously, you know, they're then they're then playing against ten men, and and Colombia actually reacted quite well in in the way that teams who have a man's sense off often do. Scored that very clever free kick through Juan Quintero, and and Japan briefly looked in danger of being submerged. Mm. Turned it around very impressively in the second half. And okay, you might say yes, they're only playing. against... Against ten men, but they're playing against a, a very well-drilled, very talented Colombia team. Um, and, and Japan ended up being being good value for their win. And I think they were the team who we were expecting to struggle in that group. They're obviously going to go into this game now with a bit more belief behind them. So it, it could be an interesting one.
0: It certainly could. It will be taking place at 4 p.m. UK time later on. The other teams in the group, Poland and Colombia, who. You probably would have looked at this fixture before the World Cup side and thought this will be for the group. Instead, it's for survival, Matt Stanger, and an interesting clash as well. If you like, a, you know, to, if you like to make it personal, a, a, a kind of duel of Bayern teammates, Lewandowski, who once again at a major tournament is so far proving ineffective, and Hammers Rodriguez, if he starts, because there's still some doubt about that.
5: I think that's another reason why it was so difficult to judge Colombia, because not only did they have a man sent off after three minutes, but Rodriguez didn't come on until the 60th minute. And he's had that calf injury that he picked up in training. So, like you say, it's uh, still undecided whether he will start this match. But Colombia will obviously be desperate for him to start. And he-, he won the Golden Boot at the 2014 tournament. He's had a great season on loan at Bayern Munich from Real Madrid and like you say, Lewandowski will know all about him. Lewandowski, 16 goals in qualifying, mm. he was top of the uh, the chart in the UEFA qualifying section. But I, I thought he suffered from a lack of service really in that game against Senegal. And Milik, who was playing sort of just off him, didn't really do a great deal. He was substituted about 20 minutes before the end. As the Kovnatsky
0: or Kovnatsky
5: perhaps coming on for him, I think. Could perhaps yeah. replace him in in the lineup for this one, definitely.
0: Uh, Lewandowski not a new issue. Uh, six matches at Euro 2016 and this World Cup, he's uh, totaled one goal. Can you total a goal? I don't think you can. It, it, you, you score a goal. No, you no, can have
4: a, right. total you total to of, a total of one, one yeah. goal. No, uh, okay, go, with that Going then. back to Colombia quickly. Yeah. I, I mean, they were a little unlucky in as much as, you know, had Falcao had boots that were two sizes bigger, I think he'd have scored two or three goals. Really? Um, yeah, they serviced him very well, and but the ball was just agonisingly too far in front of him. And that's in spite of the fact that they sacrificed Cuadrado to uh, to make make way for, for another defensive player.
0: On the subject, by the way, of Latin American teams in a little bit of trouble, quick word about Argentina. You may have seen the reports that their squad have, well, how would you put this? They've effectively ended their relationship with manager Giuseppe Sampaoli, who, who I'm not sure, if, does he still get to pick the team? or?
6: Well, we don't know. It sounds like they've mutinied. If, if you were being malicious, you might say that it won't make much difference because they've not looked like they've been playing for a coach in the first two matches. So perhaps giving Sampaoli the elbow won't actually change all that much. But yeah, I mean, clearly a sign that all is not well. Um, within the Argentina camp even though they've now been dangled this, this big lifeline
0: Yeah, but from Nigeria who will they be taking on at 7 o'clock on Tuesday evening an absolutely huge game I guess in some ways it's nice that the players care enough uh, to mutiny if that's what's happened because you wouldn't necessarily have guessed that from the way some of them were performing on the pitch uh, in, in their last match
4: no, but why would you start a game when you're the Argentina coach without Paolo Dybala on the pitch? And he's not—he's not managed it's, to get him in that lineup at all. And he's such a wonderful footballer.
0: He is, but he's got a terrible record in in really decisive big matches like like this. I mean, Champions League in particular.
4: And he still never scored a goal for Argentina. Good lord. Yeah, but he's—he's not played enough under San I mean, if you've got. If you've got in, he can play up front on his own. If you've got Messi in the team, you've got Dybala in the team. Mm. You've, you've you've got Aguero as well. I mean Aguero can play up top on his own. This this an opportunity you have to play 4-2-3-1. You have to. I think and what you have
0: to do, Matt, is get on the phone to El Cholo Simeone, yeah. drop him in for this final yeah. group game and see what kicks because mm. he, you
6: know. Maybe you could send instructions via WhatsApp audio messages seeing as that appears to be a favored Method of communication. if you Believe the reports. <laughs> yeah, from the no, other but day. Uh,
0: and, and how much of a role that, that might have played in all this? Him cussing out um, Sampaoli and indeed a lot of the players with uh, with, with with various uh, t- messages, which are now kind of
4: surfaced in in the media. It will help when Sergio uh, Romero comes back because mm. <laughs> he's that, been a big mess. It's yeah. amazing to think that. They could still make it through to the last
5: 16 and Mexico, who've been on the side of the tournament so far, if they lose to Sweden 2-0, they'll be out of the competition. I saw actually there was street signs in Buenos Aires that said, Gracias Nigeria, after the result against Iceland. And you wonder if they'll be saying the same thing uh, when they play them.
0: Well, that's a huge game coming up on Tuesday. Sunday's games, pretty huge as well. And you know that we'll be back here uh, to discuss them tomorrow evening. Now, let's get the odds On Sunday's Fixtures, producer Ben has been speaking to Paddy Power.
1: Thank you, Jimbo. Lee Price from Paddy Power. Let's talk about the games coming up tomorrow, or indeed, listeners, if you're listening to them today. They are today's games, and they kick off with England versus the mighty Panama. Lee, can Panama stop England's inevitable victory parade? And when I say victory parade, I mean they're going to win the World Cup.
2: Yeah, but they can, and they're probably exactly the sort of team that would stop it if there was indeed such a parade uh, in existence. Panama, 20-1 to to win this match, was absolutely humongous. Uh, England 1-6, draws 11-2. You know, classic England script, that this is exactly the sort of game where we draw 0-0 or lose 1-0. And Panama did look quite decent for the first 45 minutes against Belgium, so I don't want to be pessimistic, but not a foregone conclusion.
1: The rest of the action is in Group H, of course, the group that we've really enjoyed here on the Totally Football Show, the most World Cup of World Cup groups. Um, Japan versus Senegal is the four o'clock kickoff. off uh, What did you make of Senegal? Do you think they're going to get the better of Japan here, which they probably will?
2: Uh, yeah, This group, you said you really enjoy I think this one makes the bookmakers most nervous because it's so hard to predict. All four of these teams very uh, evenly matched, and the prices reflect that. Uh, these games could go either way. Japan are five to two. Senegal were evens, and the draw is 9-4, but for three results there, all very similar ballpark. And
1: uh, Poland versus Colombia, got some very decent strikers on display here. Are there going to be goals?
2: Let's hope so. It's been a, a good World Cup so far, but we haven't had many thrashings, Russia aside. Uh, again, like I said for the last match, Price is very, very close. 9-4 Poland, 6-5 to five Colombia, 21-10 the draw. Uh, more than four goals, which I think would count as a lot of goals, is 3-1. Uh, let's hope for that. <music>
0: You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org And when the fun stops, stop. We are going to be back then Sunday evening. You'll probably catch up with us Monday morning. By the way, there's no Totally Quiz tomorrow at halftime of the England game as previously advertised, but the Totally Quiz will return for the Belgian game. And then again in the last 16, probably. Do follow us at the Totally Show on Twitter or find us on Facebook. And make sure you catch up with us Sunday evening or Monday morning for more top thoughts on the World Cup in Russia. For now, it's many thanks to Matt Scott. Thank you for having me. To Tom Williams. Thank you. And to Matt Stanger. Thank you. And above all, listener, you. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Bye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production.
1: Subscribe now and get the latest episode delivered right to your phone for free. Supporting your team at the World Cup can be a phenomenal experience. But then Beckham boots Simeone, Lampard's goal isn't given, or someone puts on an England shirt and misses a penalty. The highs, more often than not, come with lows. And that's a little bit like life, really. So while we're all supposed to be buzzing with World Cup excitement and lapping up all this football, all that VAR and all those Nigeria kits, remember that someone close to you might be going through one of life's tougher times. Every day on average, 12 men take their own life in the UK. That's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. Scary, huh? But that's part of the problem. Many of us still feel mental health and suicide are taboo topics, and this can stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it most. That's why we're working with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. We here at the Totally Football Show believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the ups and the downs, the glorious wins and the embarrassing red cards, the good days and the bad. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provides a free confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. They've also got a website which is packed with the kind of info you need if you or any of your mates are having a rough one. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.